Let's look at the book of Genesis once more this Sunday as we wrap up our series, as we've worked through some major sections of this book, and as we are focusing on how God has been good to us from the beginning, that uh, in the beginning God, and once that occurred, we begin to experience the goodness of God all through the book of Genesis. We're going to look today at the life of Joseph. I've titled this sermon, Coram Deo, and I'll explain to you what that means in just a second. It's a, a Latin phrase that some famous uh, guys that are dead now uh, came up with back, uh, back in the day to kind of explain a reality that exists in our lives that we sometimes forget. And, and my aim this morning, my goal, my prayer is to remind you that we are living a life that can be defined as Coram Deo, that if we belong to God, this is the life that we live. That is a Latin phrase that literally means in the presence of or before the face of God. That is to say that living a Coram Deo kind of life means that we live our entire life in the presence of God, under the authority of God, to the glory of God. You can know this morning that regardless of what you are experiencing and where you are experiencing it, you are always acting under the watchful gaze of God. There's never a time that you are not in the presence of God. So let me pose this question to you, understanding this truth. How would your outlook on life changed if you really believed that God was with you in every situation in life? Even when those situations were painful, how would your life change if you really believed this? Even if that situation was out of control, What would happen in your life if you really believed that God was with you in every and any situation? We're going to look today at the life of a man named Joseph, and I'm going to try to condense his extensive life that covers chapters 37 through 50 uh, into a a much smaller version of that. I know you see the text, you're like, okay, where did I go? Uh, we're, We're really going to hit two passages chapter 45, and then we'll get a a few verses in chapter 50 as well. But the rest of his life, I want to try to summarize for you very briefly. Remember our family tree, you got the God of Excuse me, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Abraham has Isaac, Isaac has Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. One of those boys is named Joseph. Joseph was one of the younger children. He was his father's favorite. I've always felt that the younger ones were always the favorite, probably because I'm the youngest one in my family, and I think I'm the favorite, right? Anybody else the youngest? All right, we're the favorites, obviously. So uh, Joseph, being the the youngest son, uh, he was favored by his father. In fact, his father gave him a coat of many colors, this long, ornate robe that was really a status symbol that was only to be given to the older sons, but Joseph receives it as the much younger son. Well, Joseph started having dreams. 
And he started sharing those dreams. And basically, the gist of his dreams early on is he told his family, okay, a day is coming when I, the young boy, will be giving commands to you, and you, my brothers, and my mom, and my father, my family, you will bow down and do the submitting to me. Well, <laughs> that didn't go over too well. And Joseph's sons don't like him very much. And so one day, Joseph is at home because he's the favorite. He doesn't have to go to work while the others are out there <coughs> by, you know, uh, doing work by the sweat of their brow. And uh, he, he's alone at home, and his father says, go check on, the, on your brothers. They see Joseph coming. Their brothers say, huh, here's our chance. And one of the brothers, whose name was Judah, said, I think we should kill him. Now, that's kind of drastic. I mean, you, know, you heard of family feuds. This is, this is pretty intense. And they talk, it, <coughs> they talk it through, and I love how they come to the conclusion. They go, eh, let's not kill him, but let's at least make some money off of him. And so they, they sell him as a slave in Egypt. They take that beautiful long coat, they rip it, they dip it in goat's, in goat's blood, they take it back to Jacob. Remember who the, the, the name of Jacob, what his name means? Deceiver. They take it back to Jacob. This is, you could do a whole sermon on, you reap what you sow in this, but I'm not, don't worry. And they give the coat to Jacob and they say, look, this is what we found, the bloody coat it must mean that Joseph is dead, and now the deceiver has been deceived. Meanwhile, as Joseph has been sold into slavery in Egypt, he ends up being purchased by a, by a man named Potiphar, who was the captain of the Egyptian armies. And at this point, we're introduced to a phrase that occurs over and over and over again in Joseph's life. The, the, the first time you see it is in Genesis chapter 39 and verse 2, where it says, The Lord was with Joseph, Coram Deo. The Lord was with Joseph. Joseph understood that even in these dire circumstances, God was with him, and so he faithfully served Potiphar, and his service was noted. Potiphar recognized that God was with Joseph, so Potiphar made Joseph overseer of his house. He put Joseph in charge of all of his possessions. Now Joseph, he was a looker. He was a handsome man. The Bible tells us he was handsome in form and appearance. I think his Hebrew name is Jonathan. <laughs> That's as best as my joke gets this, this Sunday. <laughs> Joseph's a good-looking guy, and Mrs. Potiphar notices him. And Mrs. Potiphar, she doesn't play around. She flat-out propositions Joseph. Now, Joseph refuses to do anything with that proposition, A, because it violated the, the commands of God, and B, because Potiphar had entrusted him with so much, there was no way he was going to do anything that would cause his 
uh, Master Potiphar to look upon him with ill will. And as he leaves, he's literally leaving by the seat of his pants or his cloak, and Mrs. Potiphar grabs his cloak, and he takes off, and he leaves the cloak behind, and now she's got a, a, a man's cloak in her hands. What's she going to do? So Mrs. Potiphar says, well, this man Joseph tried to force himself on me. Potiphar hears of this report. And Joseph, this favored child of Jacob who's been sold into slavery, is now put into prison by Potiphar. And again, when he goes into prison, we see this phrase in Genesis 39, but the Lord was with Joseph, Coram Deo. And as Joseph is in prison, God gives him favor, and he's put in charge of other prisoners. And whatever he did, God made it to succeed. A few years go by, and he meets two people in prison from Pharaoh's court. He meets the uh, butler and a baker. Don't know where the butcher and the candlestick maker were, but you got the butler and you got the baker that he encounters in prison. They have some dreams, and Joseph interprets their dreams. He says, okay, butler, your dream is that you're going to be leaving prison in three days. Baker, you're going to die. Which shows there obviously is an inherent danger in baking, apparently. <laughs> butler, you're going to be set free. But the baker, you're going to die. And Joseph made this request to the butler. He said, when you are released from prison, remember me. I am here unjustly. So when you get out, plead my case for me to Pharaoh. The butler's released, and guess what he forgets? Joseph. A few more years go by. Pharaoh has his own dreams. No one can interpret them. So as he has these dreams, the butler remembers, hey, I met a guy in prison who was good at interpreting dreams, and he recommends Joseph to Potiphar, and then look at what happens. Again, I'm condensing this all. I'm taking an hour and a half sermon. I'm taking out a one hour for you. You're welcome. He goes to Potiphar, and Potiphar says, here's my dream. There are, it's an odd dream. There are seven fat cows that come out of the Nile River, followed by seven skinny cows. This is the origin of skim milk. <laughs> I told you it got no better. <laughs> and the skinny cow, you have to, have to look at some of you, you got to come up. Uh, the, the skinny cows devour the larger ones. And Joseph says, here's what the dream means. Those seven large cows are seven years of prosperity, of feasting, but they're going to be followed by those seven skinny cows by seven years of famine. So Pharaoh, you've got seven years to get ready for a seven-year famine that's coming. Pharaoh is floored. Pharaoh is amazed at Joseph. And so Pharaoh is so thankful that he puts Joseph in a position. He is, in essence, the prime minister of Egypt. Joseph is now literally in charge of everything except for Pharaoh. Look at where he is. Look at where he started. The fact that Joseph is alive is a miracle, but he's not just alive. He's not just surviving. Now he is thriving. A decade passes. 
The famine arrives. The entire region is starving. The only place that has food is in Egypt because of Joseph's warning. And so Jacob, Joseph's father, sends his brothers to Egypt to buy food. When they come into Joseph's court, Joseph immediately recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. And he can stand it only so long, and eventually he reveals to them, hey, this is me, Joseph, the little brother that you threw into a pit to leave for dead, but then you decided to sell to slavery. Now, do you think this was a happy moment for them or a sad one? And he reveals to his brothers who he is. And look at what the text where it picks up. In Genesis 45, beginning in verse 5. So he reveals to them who he is. And then Genesis 45 and 5 says, this is Joseph speaking to them. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years. And there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth. And to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here. But God, how would your perspective change if you really believed in anything and everything that God was with you and that God was for you? The brothers go back. They get their father. They bring Joseph to Egypt. After all these years, they are reunited, Jacob and his sons, in Egypt. And years later, Jacob dies. And the brothers get scared once again. Look over in Genesis chapter 50. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. Genesis 50, 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. Look down in verse 19. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Let me ask you, uh, the, the last time that, that Joseph, when we go back all these years ago, and his brothers spoke to him, they did not speak to him kindly. They did not speak to him comfortably in, in a comforting way. And here Joseph is extending grace and mercy, even not just to them, but to their little ones. He said, I'm going to provide for you and your little ones. What would happen if you really believed that God was with you in everything and in every situation? I don't have a point to this sermon that you can write down. Maybe that you can think of, other than to say a couple of things along these lines. Ultimately, the purpose of Joseph's life is to point us 
to Jesus. You didn't see that one coming, did you? Ultimately, the purpose of Joseph's life is to point us. Do you hear the echoes of Jesus' life and his story all throughout Joseph's stories? So many years after Joseph, another Savior would come, and he would walk the same path that Joseph walked. He was betrayed by his brothers. People lied about him. They falsely condemned him. But unlike Joseph, Jesus was not just sold into slavery, but he was put to death and betrayed at the cost of what it would cost to purchase a slave, 30 pieces of silver. And like Joseph, Jesus would be raised from that pit of death to sit on the highest throne of the land. And instead of exacting vengeance from that throne, Jesus will use his exalted position to forgive and to save others. The whole point of Joseph's narrative is to show us that in all things, God is fully in control of history, working out his perfect plan to put Jesus on that throne and to save and glorify the church through his resurrection. But there's a practical takeaway that I want us to have from this today. Once you understand that the ultimate purpose of Joseph's life is to point us to Jesus, you can then understand that Joseph's life shows us what it looks like to live with the assurance that God is with us and that he is at work in our lives. I want to repeat that. I think it's important for you to understand it. Joseph's life shows us what it looks like to live Coram Deo. To live with the assurance that God is with us and that he is at work in our lives. Just like God was in complete control of Joseph's life, working all things for his good plan, so he has at work in your life. Don't miss what Joseph said in verses 19 and 20 of chapter 50. He said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God had a purpose in everything, and in Joseph's life, God used even the bad things, overriding what others meant for evil for his good purposes. Think about it. The slavery led to Potiphar's house, which led to the false accusation, which led to the prison, which led to the forgetting, which led to Pharaoh, which led to the throne from which Joseph could save God's people. You see, this story of Joseph doesn't reduce or negate the sins of others against Joseph. Joseph called their sins, their actions, evil. But that's not where his story ends. And I want you to hear me this morning in saying that no matter where you are in your journey, this is not how your story ends. God overwrites the evil things that they do for Joseph's good and for God's glory. And God, do not miss this. Maybe these are all the points. I just didn't list them out as points. Just as God was with Joseph in the pit and the prison, so he was with him in the palace. 
You see, God was as much with Joseph in the pit and in the prison as he was in the palace. Knowing that God has a good plan in everything doesn't mean that you'll always see it. In Joseph's life, each stage of his journey was a necessary part of the end. In the middle of it, Joseph could not see that. It wasn't until the very end that he saw how God worked everything together. His life doesn't mean that God will work everything out to your understanding in this lifetime. What it means is that God, in the grand scheme of history, is writing your story, and it ends well. Trials dark on every hand, and we cannot understand all the ways that God would lead us to that blessed promised land, but he'll guide us with his eye and we'll follow till we die. We will understand it better by and by. By and by, when the morning comes, when the saints of God are gathered home, we will tell the story how we've overcome. We'll understand it better by and by. One day, we're going to visibly see Jesus on the throne. And you can know now that as surely as he has resurrected, he's going to work all things out for his purposes. Joseph's life shows us that there is not one wasted event in all the universe. God was as at much at work in the pit and the prison as he was the palace. And what's more, the pit and the prison were necessary to get Joseph to the palace. What would happen today if you choose to believe that behind all the difficult and bad things that happen in this life, There was a good God taking care of you and working all things out for your good. I've said this before behind this pulpit, and I'll I'll say it often. But the very worst day of your life on this earth, I'm not saying there are not bad days. I'm not saying there are not difficult seasons. I'm not saying that we're not all tired of hearing the word COVID. I'm not saying that we're not worn down. What I am here to tell you this morning, this may be the only reason God sent me here this morning, and God sent you here this morning to listen and to hear this. The worst day of your life on this earth, if you belong to Jesus, is as close to hell as you'll ever get. The worst experience of your life on this earth is as close to hell as you'll ever get because God is taking us to Zion upward. I love that lyric, upward. The question is, are you following him there? For you see, for me, since I have a relationship with Jesus, and I did nothing to receive my relationship with Jesus. I didn't earn it. I didn't gain it. I simply received a gift of salvation that God offered to me, which you can do that as well. 
And the day that I received that gift, God made it to where my worst day on earth is as close as I'll ever get to hell. But if that's not your case today, let me share the flip side of that coin. The best day of your life on this earth is the closest heaven as you'll ever get. And let's face it, you may have some good days, but you ain't had a day like heaven. And as I've oftentimes said, the greatest tragedy in all the world that has ever been, is, or will ever be is the fact that for every person who is in hell today, not a single one of them had to go. Neither do you. The good news is that God came down to earth to suffer in a greater way than Joseph suffered to give us life. Have you received that eternal life? Has there been a time in your life where you simply cried out to God to save you? If not, it's as simple as that. It's as simple as admitting and realizing that you're a sinner who stands in need of God's salvation and crying out to God, confessing your sins to Him and receiving that gift that He offers you today. If that would be your decision today, if you have questions about that, in fact, whatever you may need to decide to do today in your relationship with Christ, we want to come alongside you as you do that. Your decision, if you're listening to us or tuning in or here on campus, your decision, you may have gotten the salvation issue handled, but you've never been baptized, and God may be placing that upon your heart. We want to walk with you through that time. Maybe God's placed it upon your heart to make First Baptist Church your family of faith from which you can operate through God's ministry and mission through His church. I don't know what God's placing upon your heart today. I just know that we desire to help you take that next step. So here's what we ask you to do for us. If there is a next step that you want to take, if you're sitting in this sanctuary, there should be a yellow card at the pew in front of you. Just take that yellow card out. Indicate what decision you need to make today. If you're watching with us online, you can go to fbcmilton.org slash decision. Just go to our homepage. There's a graphic there that says my decision, the next step that you can take. The same form's there. Just let us know what next step you are ready to take, and we will walk alongside you as you take that next step. As we prepare to conclude our time of worship today, I want to remind you that you can make that decision. You can connect with us. If you, as you leave here today, you can just drop that card in the receptacles that are located, or you can just again go online and submit it online. It comes directly to me when you do that, and we'll follow up with you from that point. Also, remember that today at 4 o'clock p.m., there will be a church business meeting, the first ever pandemic business meeting that we've held, uh, but we're going to try our best to have one of those uh, that will be here in the sanctuary. If, uh, if you're watching us online, you're uncomfortable, again, being around a crowd, or if you've got you know, symptoms or you're sick and you need to stay home, uh, that's going to be possible to, to attend that meeting via Zoom. We sent out an email I did through our, our prayer chain this week to let you know that. If you are a member and you didn't get that email with the information you want to participate via Zoom, send me an email in the next few hours and I will make sure you have the information on how you can participate and be a part of that. As always, we appreciate you giving, not just to keep 
keep lights on or not to pay salaries. We appreciate your giving because your giving is what fuels the ministry and the mission of First Baptist Church. There are still missionaries who we need to support. There are still many missionaries who are out of work because they're bivocational and they've lost their job, as we heard of the story of Jeff Hill earlier. And, and your giving helps us to, to help them uh, fulfill the call that God has placed upon their life. If you brought your offering today, again, you can drop that in the box as you leave, or you can do that online at fbcmilton.org giving. Finally, I'd say before Clayton comes to dismiss us, I would say that, uh, remember that on Wednesday at 6 o'clock, we have our midweek opportunities for discipleship. We, we have dedicated space for children and preschoolers to learn about Jesus, our students to engage in their worship service, and adults, we will meet here here for our, worship, uh, for our time of Bible study Wednesday at 6. If, uh, if you feel comfortable and you're able to come out, we'd love to have you be a part of that. Guest, again, we're glad to have you here, and I'm going to ask at this time if Clayton uh, Tolbert would come. He's going to dismiss us. No, Dave Stevens is going to do that. I'm just going to keep you on your toes, and uh, he's going to dismiss us, and again, we're thankful that you came here today. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just truly thank you for another day. Each day is special and, and we have so much to be thankful for. We pray, dear Lord, for all of those who have been affected by this pandemic and uh, pray for Joe and his family. Pray for his healing and, and, and comfort. We pray for all the others, dear Lord, that are sick or, or have had uh, issues with this disease. We pray for our leadership, Lord, they need your guidance. They need to know that uh, without you, nothing can be possible. It all depends on you. We just uh, pray for our congregation today, dear Lord, and all those who couldn't be here. We pray for, pray for them that when we go out of this church, that we can make a difference in others' lives, that you will be with us and guard us and guide us and, and help us through each and every day. All this we ask in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.